kei ngā manukura o te motu raraumai ki te hui. Ko mihi ngā rangi tēnei, e mihi atu nei kia koutou katoa. Welcome to the hui, Māori Current Affairs for all New Zealanders. E tarua ke nei. Locked down, isolated and suicidal. I just remember waking up every day and thinking, bro, I hate, I hate being here. Why do I keep waking up? We look at one rangatahi's mental health struggle in lockdown. My concern is that there will be a hidden pandemic of mental health issues, especially amongst Māori and Pacifica, and especially amongst the younger group. Then we discuss the challenges whānau face dealing with Delta and self-isolation. There is no more than one bathroom in the house. There is at least six to eight whānau in the house. They can't isolate separately. And we speak to Māori politicians about COVID-19 and what lies ahead in 2022. For some, the Delta lockdown has had a devastating impact on their mental health. Earlier this month, the government announced a $5.6 million funding increase for mental health services in Tāmaki Makoto. And for some, it can't come soon enough. D'Angelo Martin spoke to a young man who struggled to access mental health support following a suicide attempt. And a warning, this story discusses suicidal thoughts and themes some viewers will find distressing. You can't tell by looking at him, but behind Arapunitane Te Awamana's smile lies an immense amount of mamai. Arapuni is just like many others here in Tāmaki who are just trying to get by. When lockdown hit, he found himself battling with his mental health. I had some mean suicidal thoughts. When lockdown started, I just remember waking up every day and thinking, bro, I hate, I hate being here. Why do I keep waking up? Why am I not, why, like I didn't want to wake up the next day. Arapuni has been living in alert level restrictions for three months. He lives by himself and says being isolated and far from Fano really got to him. I had all that time throughout the day to myself, just stuck in thought, you know? And yeah, there's just heaps of things, you know? Whānau's key, especially to me, that's my, something I hold close to me and that was just not there. Have you ever experienced depression before this, this come about or? Uh, yeah, I've battled with mental health my whole life. I've got PTSD and, um, I've got lots of anxiety, I have anxiety attacks, and but this one was probably the worst. I battled with depression, I got diagnosed with depression. By September, Arapuni was at breaking point and reached out for help. It was about eight, eight at night. I called because I knew in myself that that was it. I couldn't handle it, bro. I couldn't do it anymore, and then I was on hold periodically with them for about 45 minutes. No answer, I hung up. I was like, bro, this was too long. Call back, 45 minutes on hold, too long. I hung up, I called back once, and I was on hold for about 15 minutes, and I was like, stuff this, bro, I'm not, I'm not gonna call back. I'm gonna take matters into my own hands. I'm gonna end this, like, I don't want it anymore. His suicide attempt saw Arapuni admitted to Marumo Hospital, 
where he spent a week in a coma. I remember them saying, you've been in a coma for a week and uh, over a week and a bit, and you were on, we had you on ventilators, you had 15 different medications going into your body. And I was like, nah, it's Father's Day. Like it's, you know, it's still Sunday. What do you mean? It's not, it, I, I don't, haven't been asleep that long. Like you have, and you nearly lost your life. Like there was four times where um, the doctors thought that I was going to lose my life. While in hospital, Arapuni says the staff went over and beyond aiding him while in a coma. They did a journal for me of all of my notes. They were writing notes for me, and I remember they were writing notes on behalf of my mum as well, and my dad. And yeah, I read it, bro, and it, it hit me, bro. It hit me heaps, reading all those words from people. I didn't know that people were there. Arapuni was then released to a mental health unit for five days, but has struggled to find support. I got told, you're going to have a support team from the mental health in South, and they'll follow up with you and make a plan. And I never, ever heard from them. To make matters worse, when Arapuni wanted to return to where he was staying in South Auckland, he was forced to find other accommodation. At the start of lockdown, I worked one day off-site, and because it's just communal building as well, they were like, oh, you can't come back. Because of the restrictions of COVID, I wasn't allowed to return back to the building until level two. He now resides at Barclay Suites in central Auckland, but he says accessing mental health support has been almost impossible. Then I got a call and they said, because you're on central and our team's based in south, you're out of our boundary line, we'll refuse to central. So I waited another, about another week and a bit, and I got a call from the and for the central team. And they just said, oh, because we are staying temporarily, we don't want to do anything because you could move, say, back to south and then we'll have to transfer us and we'll have to start, they'll have to start all over again. The issue for us as a society is that um, we're told, or, you know, the promotion is seek help. <laughs> and when you go to help, this is what you get. Māori mental health expert, Dr Maria Baker. Yeah, to be honest, he will be um, one of many who will be struggling. My concern is that as a young Māori man, having had early contact with mental health services, that he's going to be, he's going to fall through the gaps. And he is asking for help. He needs the sort of help that's going to walk beside him, not put him in a mental health unit. Statistics show a decrease in suspected suicides over the last year, but Baker says they may not tell the full story. My concern is that there will be a hidden pandemic of mental health issues, especially amongst Māori and Pacifica, and especially amongst the younger group, those at kura and schools, and those in the younger adult um, years who are just getting, you know, just getting into their careers, just getting into relationships and having families, and this stuff is, you know, upon them. And why do you think it's important that you're sharing your story? Because I've just seen similar stories too much now, especially in today's day and age, especially throughout lockdown, I lost so many friends. And 
you just see the lack, lack of help out there for people. How are you feeling now? Well, what I've been doing to keep my mental health in check is I've been walking, I walk out Mission Bay, Oraki. I've definitely felt lost. I have felt the same feelings prior to going into hospital. Something that helps me is always swimming. I love going swimming at the beach. Reaching out for help for mental health is obviously not an option for me in my situation about where I stay, so it's all up to me to keep myself in check, I guess. Kia kaha arapuni. And the hui strongly encourages anyone in crisis to reach out to the mental health service in Therohe. You'll find more information on our Facebook page. After the break, we discuss the challenges Fano face self-isolating. With Māori now more than 42% of COVID infections, many COVID-positive whānau are now having to self-isolate at home. And that's creating greater stress for whānau who are already under pressure. Our reporter Rewa Harriman spoke to Awerangi Tamihere from Te Whānau or Waipareira who have been supporting self-isolating whānau in Tāmaki ki te uru. Can you tell us what it's like for whānau Māori isolating at home? What, is, what are the challenges? Well, I think probably the main challenge for all of them is that um, prior to being positive, prior to being in this COVID pandemic, they never had a lot of headspace in the first place to be able to look out past the hour, the day, the week. And not only that, if they didn't have that headspace, they also didn't have the space to even stock up for three months, right? And as a result of that, you're dealing with a lot of the issues of poverty being absolutely exacerbated when they find out that they're positive um, and having to isolate at home. Because how do they get food? Mm. So how does your team help these whānau out then? So the immediate thing our team do is provide, go and get food for them. The other thing is that they get a lot of advice from the Ministry of Health about how they should isolate at home, but that's just not the reality. There is no more than one bathroom in the house. There is at least six to eight whānau in the house. They can't isolate separately. The reality is they're having to live together. And so that also comes with, they can't go out in the usual way, go for a run, go and do something on their own. So the intensity of living together also has brings about a lot of mental health challenges mm. so we're also having to bring in our kaimahi into their homes sitting outside their homes just talking to them working through just helping them to manage their relationships in a tight space but also the reality is if you have one positive at home it is highly highly likely that other whanau in that situation will also be positive because they cannot isolate so numbers wise awerangi how many whanau is your team assisting? Well, today, for example, we talk about in a different way. We've got about 75 whānau, but that's about 250 individuals because you're talking about one whānau that is positive or one member, but it goes within the whole household. And that's an intensive amount of resources. We don't know the whānau who are positive unless they ring us up. So a lot of them are ringing us up on our 0800 number because they're not sure what to do. And so we're having to set up now a mobile nursing team who go in, who provide some initial support, testing, advice, bring in the GP, bring in the public health team, set them up from a medical point of view, and then we bring in our welfare support team who have the ongoing relationship with them. Is it a better option then to send 
these COVID positive whānau to MIQ? Is that the better option? It's a different um, assessment for every whānau because their needs are different, but broadly speaking, yes because at least you know they've got food every day, they can isolate properly with their whānau, and they can have a regular testing regime and a regular medical support wrapped around them intensively 24 hours. How important is it for Māori organisations such as Waipareira to be leading this type of response? Even though this is a very difficult time, when you're dealing with our own communities, you need to have trust, faith and hope. And when our own people can come on the door, just the look in the eyes is emotional, crying, just, oh gosh, somebody who understands me comes in. There's somebody finally there who just says, this is us, this is where we're at. Can you wrap around us to meet everything we need in our household, rather than having to navigate to different agencies. With some of your team redeployed now, how does that impact on your vaccination programme and your testing? Yes, because we had to suddenly pivot and go from four mobile vaccination teams, for example, to two vaccination teams. And then we had to move some of our nurses and other teams to provide the support for positive whānau at home. So it means it reduces our capacity to do vaccinations. We're good at being agile and good at moving when we need, but it's not one or the other, is it? It's vaccinations. Testing is huge for us. Our numbers are getting up to 700 to 1,000 a day at the moment again, because there are so many positive whānau in West Auckland. So we're actually having to ask for extra support again from the DHB to help with nursing support. So for Waipanata, it's not one response or another. It's about trying to keep all three going. It's pretty tough on our staff at the moment. And finally, do you have a message for um, our whānau isolating at home? Please, please ring us. Please ring us. 0800 942 924. We are open 8am to 8pm and do not sit there and wait and hope. We will get somebody to you within the hour on the phone talking to you. So just please do not be afraid to give us a ring. We also have our Facebook page, our Instagram page, where we get a lot of private messaging. You can private message us, but we are here for you. So please don't be afraid to give us a call. We'll be there right away with whatever you need. Ko awirangi tamihiri tērā. Next, we discuss the political response to COVID with Willie Jackson, Marama Davidson and Deb Ngarewapaka. It's been a gruelling year in Te Ao Torangapu as Māori politicians grapple with how best to serve Māori as COVID menaces communities across Aotearoa. I spoke to the Minister for Māori Development, Willie Jackson, Greens co-leader Marama Davidson and Te Pāti Māori co-leader Deb Ngariwa Packer about their party's COVID responses. Tēnā koutou, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We're very lucky to have the three of you. Let's start with you. Māori are now 42% of all cases, 31% of hospitalisations. Uh, you know, has, has this been preventable? Uh, yes, it could have been. Um, we're pleased that our government chose the elimination strategy. It's when we started to veer away from the elimination strategy that the Greens made our difference very clear and that depended on making sure we get the putia and the data directly to our Māori health providers to lead and design the work to get our vaccination rates up higher. That's why the Greens want to make sure that before we lift our Auckland border restrictions, 
We see vaccination rates equitably high. We see our regional public health systems properly prepared, for example, with ICU capacity. And we actually test and refine the traffic light system instead of putting a date already in the sand to lift the borders before we've committed to seeing what needs to be improved at the traffic light system. So under nines are now the second largest group at 18% of all infections. The COVID strategy was meant to protect our most vulnerable, including our tamariki. You know, in your eyes, has that happened? No, no, it hasn't happened. And I think, you know, first of all, we've got to acknowledge that this government has inherited a hell of a job. And I think, you know, they did extremely well in 2020 when the focus, as Marama said, was on elimination. What we're now seeing, unfortunately, is the escalation of the inequities we went into with this. And, and unfortunately, the disconnect um, that the Crown has allowed to happen by having a one-stop shop approach. It never works when you're dealing with real living um, communities of Māori on the grounds. You know, it's great to see the investment that's starting to happen now that we're at the bottom of the cliff and, and you know, the, the tragedies are happening. But what we want to see now is that it's not just a monocultural approach, that actually we have a very loud, proud Māori um, COVID response, and we own that as a, a nation that's proud to have um, te tiriti and tangata whenua. Prior to taking us out of level four into level three, we were around 20 cases a day. We're now up at 200. You know, was it wrong to lift us out of, to loosen the restrictions? No, it wasn't. And uh, and the reality was, I represent a, a lot of Māori here in in Auckland, uh, as does Marama, uh, and uh, people in Papakura, people in Manurewa, people in Māngere, Ngāti Whātua were all saying they don't want to be in level four. They don't want to be in level four. So it's okay for people outside uh, the Auckland area to say, you know, you know, we'll lock uh, we'll lock you up and we'll keep you in level four. You say that to ten Maori living in a two or three room uh, place next to next to my Marae Watia. Isn't lockdown protecting them? Um, the, the re well, lockdown is, but it's not for us to patronise our people. Uh, it's not for us to say. You, I mean, my you know my crew at Ngafarewati, and I still cheer the Marae there. They go out, they go to their houses. Sadly, our people are breaking the rules uh, everywhere. So we just have to assist and support. But the reality is our people need jobs too. And while it might be ideal for the Māori Party and the Māori doctors and the Māori academics to lock our people up uh, for the next uh, couple of years, that's not a reality in terms of, of Auckland and our people need the freedom to move. Is this strategy working for Māori? This is precisely why we needed to make sure we are taking a cautious post, is because of those very inequities. You know, I was taken around Ranwick Park, which is Manurewa, and showing the rip-off rents that our people are being charged, the bad quality housing that they're living in. It is exactly because of those long-standing inequities that we needed the leadership to be able to say, hold on, taihoake for a little bit longer while, hey mihi, we can see vaccination rates for Māori are increasing. What that shows is when you finally do get the resource there, we can do it. Māori independent and uh, non-Māori epidemiologists and COVID experts have been very clear, just a little bit longer while we urgently prioritise fixing regional public health, fixing vaccination rates, testing the traffic light system properly. You know, the Māori Party strategy around self-isolation is to have it all Māori-led. So 
so every, all of your strategy really is about Māori iwi and organisations uh, to lead everything, but not every iwi and not every Māori organisation is the same. You can't compare, ap they're not apples with apples because they're not all up. So, you know, in those, in those rohi or those takiwa where they don't have uh, leadership, how would you do it? Ultimately, how we would do it is how we've done it to date. Most of our policy has been marked off and plotted off how we're living. So if we've got a situation where... Uh, for example, we've got home isolation. What we want to do is, and we don't have MIQ space, we want to be able to have the wraparound support so that compliance does happen. A lot of the reason why our whanau are breaching is because there isn't that total for that encouragement to stay home. The $100 our, our policy is actually encouraged that you stay home and to be able to connect to those. Again, you know, what we've seen on the ground is that somebody gets infected, no one tells the community how to go and give kai. Perfect examples of what Huni is doing up in Taitukiro is that let's not shame, let's not make this a, um, you know, you're ostracised from community. Let's, as a community, look after everyone and keep, and keep sight of that. There's an assumption that communities aren't self-managing now, and we are and have been. And that's the, the, I think that's the real danger and the opportunity being missed is the full engagement of communities and not someone sitting behind a, a, a desktop or someone from Wellington sort of decreeing this is how it will be taking a very iron fist approach. You, to get buy-in, you have to bring the community with you, ground up. Willie, did you guys do it too late? Did you move to hand over to Māori organisations too late in the game? No, no, I don't think so. I, I uh, we've worked very closely with Māori organisations from the beginning, from the beginning, uh, right, from, right from the beginning. And you can you can ask some of them if you, you know. You, we we hear the different narratives. Look, this is a moving feast. You know, that's the reality. I think we all realise that we're a, a government for everyone. We are not the Māori Party government, but we we understand our people's priorities. So no, we've worked with them closely. And you have to remember, we didn't have Delta back in in March and April. You know, we didn't have vaccine back back in March and April. So I think we 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 paced this out the right the right way. Of course, we're absolutely concerned where we're at now and. Deb's right too, you know, I absolutely will always advocate in terms of our community uh, advancing uh, this kaupapa. That's why you're seeing the resourcing and funding going in right now. So it's very much a by Māori, for Māori approach. And I'm just as concerned as everyone in terms of the self-isolation. That's why I'm working at the coalface with my marae, with Waipareira. And uh, I think things are picking up. I think the vaccination rates, are, you know, we're still 20% behind, but, you know, we're vaccinating at two, three times the, the rate of, uh, of Pākehā at the moment. Last week, uh, mandates kicked in in health and education. Are you supportive of the mandates? Uh, it's a case-by-case -case basis is what we understand. And so for our health workers and, yes, for our schools, those people at the front lines with our tamariki, with our kaumātua pakeke, with our people with health issues, absolutely it's about the safety of our whānau. I would have preferred mihi if we didn't need those mandates in the first place for those high-risk environments, absolutely. But how long does it take to combat the mistrust from colonisation among our communities when we haven't prioritised that? Unfortunately, we haven't done that work yet. We've got a lot of catch-up to play before our people trust our public health system, which we all agree has been systemically racist. Deb, you don't agree. The Māori Party wants to abolish all mandates. We want to abolish the way that Labour has rolled out mandates. I think, um, again, you know, we can't emphasise enough 
that our um, policy promotes an and, and, and approach. What we've got here is um, standoffs. And we've got to remember why we arrived at mandates with Labour. It was because they'd failed so dismally in the vaccination rollout. So let's just remind ourselves why we're here. This isn't something that Māori or communities have done wrong. And what we've got now is a, an, an approach that is going to um, end up, you know, again, looking at a, a, a people that could have actually taken the control of situations themselves. A message like this from the Māori Party, is that helpful? No, not at all. In fact, they, they need to show more responsibility, actually. They need to realise that there are diff different messages uh, in terms of the iwi. There's different messages in, in Deb's uh, community that are needed to, to people in my community in Māngere. They are so different. You see, the, the Māori Party talk like we're all one homogenous group. We're not. You know, 70, 60, 70% of our people, they don't want to know about the marae. They don't want to know about the Māori Party. Heck, they don't even want to know about Māori and Labour, right? So you're dealing with a disenfranchised group. They, they, you know, so Deb talks like we're all on the kaupapa. We're all going to do this. We're, that's just so far from the truth, it's not funny. And she needs to realise that we are, we need a couple of strategies. We need this strategy that Deb talks about for our kaupapa people, absolutely. Then we need the other strategy, the mandates work. We're an extremely dynamic, innovative people, and we are winning this, but we shouldn't have to have been in this position so you know let's not pretend that it's all flowers you're in a mainstream party that has lotted us with everyone else at the end of the line Deb if you had a bouquet or a mihi to throw out to a group or a person for their enormous effort in 2021 who would that be Oh, look, the enormous effort would go out to all our um, ho order, whanau order providers. They have not had a break. This isn't an event. Um, they've gone day in and day out. And um, I just want to mihi to them all and, and actually mihi to their whanau. The team at Mate Huruhuru, which is a South Auckland, completely rangatahi-led programme, they designed their own rangatahi vaccination events, jab and grab. They got their third one coming up with the support of Manurewa Marae, Ngāti Whātua, Waipareira, all of the tāmaki wraparound tuakana organisations. This is exactly how Māori work and allowing and supporting our rangatahi to lead all around the country, um, I think deserves a, a, a piki mihi as well. I want to especially mention Iwi Radio, you know, they're sort of unsung heroes in terms of te ao Māori mihi, you know. Uh, a lot of them are not well known uh, across mainstream, but brilliant work at the coalface, you know, whether it's Peter Lucas in the north or my cousin Barbie Edana Reedia on the east coast, Fintep, Matai Smith, these are unsung heroes. And and what I like about them is that they're running the, the twin strategy. They know a lot of our people, kāre mōhi o rātou ki Don't speak Māori, but they, you know, it's really terrific what they're doing. And of course, my crew at Wātea, they're unsung heroes and they keep it going. So it's mihi to all of them uh, uh, for their wonderful uh, contribution over the last uh, 12 months. Tēnā koutou. Kia ora. Kia ora mihi. Kia ora Willie and Debbie. Ko hikina te hui e huama, nohoro mai rā. Hey, Paul.